This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahi wa alhamdulillahi wa salatu wa salamu ala abdillahi wa rasulihi muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We thank Him upon all conditions. We send blessings and salutations upon the messengers that the Almighty has sent from the beginning all the way to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the final messenger. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him and his household and all those who carried the goodness up to when it has got to us. May Allah bless every one of us and our offspring, those to follow up to the end of time. May Allah guide us and grant us goodness. Amin. My brothers and sisters, we will be speaking about the challenges and the opportunities when it comes to Islam in the modern world. And you and I know that we have a lot to talk about and a lot to discuss and a lot to do. I'm sure you would agree with me that we face so many challenges, more than we have been facing in the previous decades that we've been alive. May Allah make it easy. I'll try to be as realistic as possible this evening because I want the message to come from the heart straight to the heart. So if you look at Islam as a religion, it existed from the time of Adam. Now people might think how? Because Islam is only maybe 1400 and something odd years. In actual fact, we addressed this yesterday when I said that anyone who submitted to the will and the law of the Almighty that came through any of the messengers at the time of that messenger was considered a submitter, which translates in the Arabic language as a Muslim. A Muslim means a submitter, the one who has submitted. So it is beautifully put, the Muslimun, those who have submitted have started from the beginning because they submitted to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, religion comes with guidance, it comes with goodness, it comes with peace, it comes with tranquility, it comes with contentment, it comes with a relationship that you build with the Almighty who created you and a relationship that you build with the rest of the creatures of the Almighty that you will share the earth with for the short time that you are on the earth. Imagine if you were in a huge ship and you had to get from point A to point B. It would be in the best of your interests to ensure, number one, that the ship is not destroyed by any doing of yours or anyone else's. Number two, to have the best possible relationships and relations with those on the ship in order to avoid conflict that will result in hurt and harm but on top of that damage to the ship that probably would sink if the people in the ship had to fight. Similarly, we are all in this huge ship known as the world. It is in the best of our interests to protect the world, to protect what the Almighty has given us to preserve it to the best of our ability and to look after one another and to look after everyone and everything that happens to be in this ship in the best possible way so that we don't sink we don't create destruction we are not a vehicle of harm because if that happens we will lose focus and we begin then to cause discontentment, disunity, hatred, malice, jealousy, and what have you, which is the opposite of what religion calls for. So when we talk of Islam in the modern world, we have to first start off with the religious aspect. What is Islam? In brief, it is a religion that should bring about goodness and peace. Salam actually means peace. The idea is if you submit, you will achieve peace. If you submit to the will of the Almighty, you will achieve peace. Some people may not submit to the will of the Almighty. What do I do? 
if they don't submit to the will of the Almighty or if they submit to what they believe is the will of the Almighty that may be different from what I believe is the will of the Almighty, does it mean that I have to be at war with them? The answer is not at all. No way. If that is or was the case, we would have destroyed this earth. And this is why those who think that difference in religion or in faith or in inclination calls for a war or hatred, they are actually wrong. If I differ with you, perhaps the best I could do for you if I'm very passionate about what I believe in is to try and convey to you in the most convincing way. And if I were to pick up a knife or a sword or a weapon and try to shove my belief down your throat, I would actually be so wrong, so wrong. Those who say Islam spread by the, by the sword, they are actually wrong. If you take a look at Islam spreading right now, which sword is there? If you take a look at the largest number of people to turn to Islam post September 11, when it became difficult for people to actually live as Muslims, and large numbers of people are entering Islam, which sword is there? It's the opposite. It's actually entering Islam at a time of difficulty and hardship, at a time when to identify yourself as a Muslim has become so difficult. To identify yourself as a Muslim, people look at you and they judge you immediately. You have a hijab, they immediately believe that you're oppressed. But you're not. And you know you're not. But they shove it down your throat. They will advertise it in the newspapers, sometimes with or without your name, that you're oppressed, you're backward, you are this, you are that. You know, you're a hate monger or whatever else it might be. And you know you're not. And you're quite surprised that sometimes there's nothing you can do about it besides to pray and to keep on remaining focused, reaching out with your good. So... The Islam and the religious aspect of it is supposed to bring about goodness and peace. Like I say, Islam doesn't mean war. It means peace. Iman refers to two things. Belief. You believe in Allah. You believe in the Maker. You believe in the hereafter. You believe in the angels. You believe in the books. All of this should bring about a man. It should bring about a sense of security. You should feel safe. You should feel secure. And this is why... Iman and Aman are connected and Islam and Salam are connected linguistically. Because if you are to believe firmly, it will give you the, the comfort, the security. You have a problem, you turn to the Almighty, you are comforted. You cry tears in the middle of the night while you're praying to the Almighty, you're comforted. Subhanallah. Where is the comfort coming from? Where is this feeling of security coming from? Allah is the one who owns it. The Almighty owns it. He will give it to you. The calmness, the contentment, the happiness that we're searching for, religion should bring it about. However, let's admit, you and I believe that we're all good people. I believe I'm a decent person. I believe I try my best to be the best possible person I could be. And I'd like to think it's the same with every single one of us. If you ask yourself, what do I stand for? I hope the answer is, I stand for goodness. I stand for goodness. I stand for purity. I stand for sincerity, genuineness. There is nothing better than a friend who is genuine. They are not there to do you down, to steal from you, to rob you, to cheat you. However, my brothers and sisters, reality is because of materialism and because of the nature of this world, what happens is, we start competing with one another. And that competition sometimes becomes ugly. It becomes ugly. You know at work, the typical scenario where you have a post and someone else is looking at that post, vying for it. Sometimes through dirty means, they might complain about you and lodge a complaint that is false about you. And sometimes you might lose your job based on that which is totally false. That's part of the filth and the dirt that this materialism and the competition in it comes with. But if you're competing to earn the pleasure of the Almighty, it softens you. It makes you the best person. It makes you a person who does good. Not to those whom you think deserve the good, but even to those whom you know perhaps 
are not interested in being good in return or have never been good to you because the Almighty says, Wallahu yuhibbul muhsinin. In another verse, He says, Inna Allah yuhibbul muhsinin. Indeed, Allah loves those who do good. Did He say Allah loves those who reciprocate? Did He say that? No. Which means someone did good to you, you do good back to them. That's, that's okay, but that's a level lower than what a true believer and a true Muslim is supposed to be upon. I will do good to you, not because I think you deserve the good, but because I know Allah loves those who do good. There is a big difference between the two. I want to be nice to you. I want to be kind to you because Allah loves kindness. I don't want to be kind to you because I think you deserve kindness. Everyone deserves kindness because the Almighty has said that. He loves those who are kind. So I'm going to be kind even to those who are not kind to me. And this is a solution to the problems that we are facing today on the globe. There is a lot of hatred. Let's be honest. While I'm trying to be a good Muslim, on one hand I'm faced with extremism in the name of my religion, actions that do not depict what I believe in any way or form, actions and deeds that are done in the name of a religion that I follow, yet those actions and deeds do not belong to my faith. This is what's going on on the globe. And on the other hand, people who hate me for no reason based on what others have done, not what I have done. And therefore, they don't even want me to do the basics of my own faith. If I were to pray, they would call me an extremist. If I were to dress modestly, they would call me an extremist. And if I were to say I worship Allah alone, they would say you're a hate preacher and a hardliner. That's the reality. On one hand, we're facing extremism from those who claim to be Muslim to the degree that it gets to terrorism. It's a fact. We don't have to deny this. We see it glaring. We are struggling. We are suffering. If you take a look at these groups that have called themselves huge Islamic names and what they are doing, primarily they are killing Muslims. Primarily they are harming Muslims. So therefore you need to know according to them, they belong to a faith that is not exactly what you and I belong to. Common sense. If people want to kill you because of what you believe, they don't belong to what you believe. They belong to something else. And the irony of it is true Islam teaches you that when you differ with someone or when you meet someone who's from a totally different faith or someone who doesn't have a faith, you should call them towards goodness. كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةٍ أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ تَأْمُرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَتَنْهَوْنَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَتُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ You are the best of nations, the best of people developed for mankind. أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ you have been developed for mankind to reach out to mankind. If you're a Muslim, you reach out to people, continue to remind them about what is good and to discourage them from what is bad. That's your job and continue to believe in Allah. Did he say, Kuntum khayra ummatin ukhrijat nas? Did he say you are the best of people who have been developed to kill the rest of the people? Is that what he said? To harm them, to hate them, to destroy, to be destructive. Didn't I start off by saying it's all about building, it's all about growing, it's all about reaching out to people. Who is the giver of life? Is it you and I? Or is it the Almighty? The Almighty is the giver of life. What gives me or who gave me the right to take life away in the name of the giver of life? I'm taking life away in the name of the one who gave it. So I'm installing myself saying, okay, you gave this life, but guess what? I'm taking it away. Here it goes. Boom, boom, boom. And I call myself a believer. A believer in who? You don't even believe in God Almighty because if you did, you would acknowledge you gave the life. I'm sure it's for a purpose. I'm going to keep trying to convince these guys to worship you alone. That's now a believer. So you reach out to those who are your enemies. And I believe that if your actions, your deeds, your words have reduced the enmity of an enemy, you have succeeded. 
Because to see the light is in the hands of the Almighty, but the trial is in my hands and yours through the permission of the Almighty. So if I were to see a person who hates me, hates me, and this has happened to me, people who hate you completely, and they're given an opportunity to speak to you or to interact with you or to see you for a few seconds, let those seconds change their perception of what Islam stands for, what a man with a big beard stands for, what a woman in hijab and niqab may stand for, etc. If it is changed, just the perception, you have succeeded. How will it change? I'll smile. I remember and I will never forget. I landed back at home once and with me on the flight were two elderly nuns. And subhanallah, I greeted them, I helped them take their bags off the carousel on the trolley and push the trolley out. And they were shocked and more shocked than them. The public was just looking at this Islamic sheikh with two nuns, not one by the way. And they're walking with him and we're talking and he's pushing their trolleys and bags. But what did I do wrong? You will find some Muslims who perhaps have never been in that situation. Perhaps they've never interacted with the opposite sex. Perhaps they don't know what the world is all about. They will tell you, Astaghfirullah, haram, you lost your faith, you're a, you're a disbeliever. Some might say, he needs to be killed. What did he do? A'udhu Billah, A'udhu Billah. You know what she told me, one of them? She said, it's the first time I'm interacting with a Muslim with a beard. A Muslim with a beard. And I promise you, you're a good man. What did I do? Wallahi, that was from Allah. I just behaved like a Muslim. I helped an elderly, two elderly women. So what if they were nuns? They were dressed, at least they had a little bit of the hijab that we actually believe in, right? But you find people who believe that religion today, People believe that religion should make you hard. You look at these people and say, Astaghfirullah, and you walk out. Is that what Islam is? A'udhu Billah. They just look at you. La hawla. What are you looking at? And that reminds me of a story. Okay, this is on a lighter note, right? So they say there was a sheikh from this country that has never ever, you know, taught interaction with the opposite sex. And he visited a country where everything is open, you know. Now obviously you have to protect yourself, you have to... I think we have more discipline sometimes than those who haven't had the opportunity to interact with the opposite sex because of their cultures or because of what they believe. So, they don't know. So, as soon as he saw a woman who was not dressed properly at all, he says, Astaghfirullah. So, the driver who's his host says, what happened? He says, there's a naked woman here. Astaghfirullah. He looked down. So, the driver was quiet to say, you haven't yet seen anything. You know, that's normal for us. We just drive. I didn't even notice. To be honest, in where we come from, we don't even notice these things because it's there every day. You get on with your work and you continue. They live the way they want. Everyone else lives the way they want. And guess what? I'm glad they allow me to live the way I want. We're not going to trample on each other's toes. We're all citizens of the same land. So we will all serve a common cause to a certain extent. And our religions are different. So a little while later, he says, Astaghfirullah. And the same thing happened. This man understood that, you know what? He's seen a woman who, according to him, is not dressed properly. A little while later, Astaghfirullah. The next day, Astaghfirullah. The guy says, what's wrong? He says, woman, Astaghfirullah. Now, three, four days, the man got used to. Every time I see something, I'm going to hear this Astaghfirullah loudly. So the third day, the driver noticed that this man was dozing. But, you know, because he's been with him for so many days, he saw a woman who wasn't dressed properly. Who saw him? Who saw her? The driver. So the driver says, Astaghfirullah. The man says, where, where, where? You know? So what happens here, it goes to show that we have taken things we don't even know, we don't even understand. We say these words without realizing that that is my sister in humanity. Did you hear that? I, I may not be on that level of, you know, Dress, and I may not agree with certain things, but my sister in humanity. If you're a true believer, wallahi, you are supposed to pray for her. I swear by Allah, if you really have the goodness of Iman and that of the Prophet Wasallam's teachings in your heart, number one, you say, Oh Allah, guide her, guide me too. Why me too? I'm not perfect. I've got other hidden sicknesses. Hers is open. Mine could be hypocrisy. May Allah forgive us. The first thing you've got to do, pray.
Say a prayer. Look at the Prophet, peace be upon him, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. And a man called Amr ibn Hisham, he was known as Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl. He was an enemy of Islam. These people weren't mere people who walked past with the Astaghfirullah story. No. These people were people who had harmed Islam. They had a bad intention. They wanted to murder the Prophet, peace be upon him, and they made their intentions loud and clear. And you know what? The Prophet ﷺ is recorded to have said, Allahumma a'izzal Islam bi ahadil umarain. Oh Allah grant strength to Islam through the acceptance of Islam of one of these two guys who are really the enemies of Islam. Wow. Enemy of Islam. And, and the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is saying, Oh Allah bring them to Islam. Khalid ibn al-Walid ibn al-Mughira, radiallahu anhum. You know what he says? You know what the Prophet ﷺ says about him? A man like Khalid, he cannot be, he's so intelligent. He had participated in the wars, causing the death and the killing of so many Muslims. You and I have read that perhaps. But the Prophet, peace be upon him, called his brother, whose name was Al-Walid ibn Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira, and says to him, where's your brother? This was now in Medina, Al-Munawwara. Then he says, a man as intelligent as Khalid, can never be ignorant of the fact that Islam is the true religion. Because we're worshipping Allah alone. You know, we're worshipping the maker and that's it. We're not worshipping anything or anyone else. Whoever made me, I'm worshipping him. And we're disciplined people. And we're filled with love and concern. One might say, well, why did the wars take place then? Yes, there were wars that took place. At the time of the Prophet ﷺ, where was he born? In Makkah. Who was he? A Qurashi. Why did he end up in Medina? Because people drove him out of his home. So he had to come back with his people. All those who were driven out had to come back. Right? They had the right to come back. Even if it was by war. Because our properties were stolen, our people were killed, and we were driven out of our own homes. So it's our right to come back. It's more of an, a struggle to get back your right. But when it came to faith and religion, he prayed hard for the disbelievers. And he always had hope. لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَا عَنِتُّمْ حَرِيصٌ عَلَيْكُمْ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَؤُوفٌ رَحِيمٌ Allah describes the Prophet, peace be upon him, and he says, a messenger has come to you from yourselves. And Allah describes him with a few words. One of them is where Allah says, he is desperately hoping for your and desperately wanting your guidance, wanting you to turn, wanting goodness for you. He's haris, which means he desperately wants this for you, the goodness. And he is calm. He is a person filled with the highest level of goodness. His character and conduct was superb. He didn't want to kill people. He didn't teach to go out and kill people. Yet people are killing in the name of the same Nabi, the same Prophet whom Allah describes as Raufun Rahim. Allah describes him as the one who is filled with mercy. The one who is merciful, merciful, he is sent. Allah says in the Quran, Oh Muhammad, we have not sent you except as a means of mercy for the entire worlds, for all these creations that are there. We have sent you as a mercy for Al-Alameen, the worlds. Subhanallah, the one who was sent as a mercy and you are spreading hate in his name, spreading harm, killing in his name, how? Yet you are supposed to be reaching out to people. You are supposed to be speaking to people, convincing people, being happy to serve people, humanity. I've given the story in the past and I've repeated it again and I would like to repeat it because it should be on our lips. The story of a man who entered paradise because of a dog. He quenched the thirst of a dog. We spoke about it. 
is more important. If a man could earn paradise because he was compassionate towards a dog, don't you think you and I will achieve paradise because we were compassionate to another human being whom we differed with perhaps in faith and in other matters. But they were human. With a dog, we cannot consume it. There are certain rules and regulations governing, you know, the proximity to a dog, the relationship with a the dog. There must be a reason and the reasons are mentioned and so on. So my relationship as a Muslim with a dog is governed by rules and regulations that are a little bit more than perhaps a cat. But still, compassion to a cat or a dog would get you paradise, paradise. And harming a kitten earned a woman the wrath of the Almighty, what do you think harming a human being will earn us? Common logic. And we are using the same faith to justify the killing, the hurting. And let's not go too far. Yes, we are talking about terrorism because that's what's happening today. We are talking about hate that is being spread in the name of Islam. Within Muslim sects, they are saying La ilaha illallah, they are saying Muhammadur Rasulullah, but no, because they don't fall into my little box, they are, they are not worth greeting, not worth responding to, they, they should be hated, and they should be people who you don't even interact with. Where did you get that from? You probably got it from someone earlier on who's not a prophet himself, but he has misinterpreted what the prophet, peace be upon him, has said. So let's not go as far as that. Let's look into our own homes and I want to bring it close because you must go home today and apply it within your own household. How many of us, our children are struggling, but we are Muslims. They are struggling because there's no communication, there's no understanding. I ask you a question. If your child came to you and told you, I want to get married. And you say, oh, mashallah, I think some people, it depends. You know, we're living in an age of social media, technology. So the East and the West are only a second away, not even a split second. I can speak to someone in Indonesia and to someone in America live right now. Subhanallah. Who knows? They may be watching this as well. So it's become so small. If someone comes to your child, dad, I want to marry who, who, who I'm scared to even say now because of how you asked. But you're a father, you're the brother, you didn't do anything to get your daughter married or your sister married. You didn't do anything. So subhanallah, Allah somehow connected them. I hope it's in a good way with someone, but you're not facilitating it because you have a little ego. That's it. What's the ego? Because the person's skin color is a little bit different. So what happens? Nah, you can't. They're too dark for us. This is a reality. We're talking of us on the globe today. Where is Islam and where are the Muslims? Too dark. Racist. May Allah forgive us. Amen. There is another problem we have. We come from tribes. We come from races. We come from different backgrounds. We come from different nationalities. I swear by Allah, one of the reasons that we are Backward as Muslimin is because we believe our tribe is better than the other one. Our nationality is better than the other one. Our color is better than the other one. That is Jahala. That is ignorance, the height of ignorance. And I want you for a moment to think for yourself because we want to solve this matter. I want to help myself and you. Close your eyes. Think for yourself. Where do I come from? What tribe do I belong to if I do? What's my nationality? What's my race? No matter what it is. What do I think of other tribes? Do I not think my tribe is better? Do I not think, oh, those guys are thieves. Those guys are very bad tempered. Those guys are actually deceivers. Don't ever marry in those guys. That is racism itself. But unfortunately, a lot of us do believe, oh, I've got, you know, I'm a better nationality. We're higher than those guys. Those guys are lower than us. These people are above us. Meaning these people are lower and, and this one is not good and this one is unkind. No. In every nationality there is good and bad. In every tribe there is good and bad. In every race there is good and bad. You cannot take one brush and paint the whole lot simply because you might have had one little experience or one of your forefathers had that experience. What is true Islam? True Islam is when you believe that our differences are there to be celebrated. 
and not to create hatred and enmity. Ya ayyuhan nasu inna khalaqnakum min dhakarin wa untha wa ja'alnakum وجعلناكم شعوبا وقبائل لتعارفوا إن أكرمكم عند الله أتقاكم O people, we have created you from a single male and female and we have made you into peoples and tribes in order that you recognize one another not in order that you create hate against one another. Allah says, in order that you recognize one another, for indeed the most honored in the eyes of Allah is the one who is the most conscious of his relationship with Allah. And who knows that? Allah knows that best. Therefore, we were not sent onto earth to judge people. And when we say judging, there are two things I need to speak about because it's a reality we face on earth. I mean, if my daughter is doing something wrong and I tell her, you know what, my beloved child, this is wrong. Don't do this. And if she said to me, Dad, don't judge me. I'm bewildered. I'm confused. I'm not judging you. I'm advising you. Don't confuse the two. I'm allowed to advise you. I can tell you, please pray. We're supposed to be praying five times a day. You know, the benefits of prayer is this and this. No, don't judge me. It doesn't mean I'm not praying so that I'm a bad person. I didn't say you're a bad person. I'm encouraging you to pray because prayer is a part of your faith. It's a part of your faith. It is the key to the door of your contentment, your happiness and your success. It is the key to the door of your paradise. So pray. Don't tell me, don't judge me when I'm advising you. So this, on one hand, we're facing the struggle where when we advise people and teach them, they're quick to say, don't judge me. That's not judging, that's advice. Don't confuse the two. And on the other hand, indeed at times we do judge. When it comes to a case where there is a problem and you want justice, then the legal system will definitely judge based on both sides and the evidence. That is a different justice. That's proper judging in, in, in the court scenario or in an arbitration scenario. But when it comes to you and I, you see someone with a bottle, you see someone with something else, you see someone who might not be, who might be struggling. Like I said earlier, we're all struggling to be the best possible person we can, aren't we? We're all struggling. I am struggling to be the best possible person I can. But in actual fact, my struggle may expose a little bit of my weakness that I'm still working on. If you were to judge me based on that weakness and sideline me because of that, then you're not helping me in any way. And in fact, it's a weakness on your part because your duty is to help me. Imagine if we were all trying to earn some money and we happen to be partners in a business, if that business flourishes, we're both going to gain. But if the business doesn't flourish, we're both going to lose. So in the same way, if we help each other get Jannah, it will be made easier. Because the hadith of the Prophet wasallam. do you know what he says? The one who shows someone goodness is equivalent in reward to the one who has done the goodness as a result of being shown it. So if I were to tell you, come, let's pray. Let's go and pray. And you said, yeah, let's go. And we both prayed together. Guess what? I get a double reward. Simply because I encouraged you to come. Subhanallah. It's amazing. So I earned based on the fact that I cared for you. And I told it to you in a nice way. But if I told you, you know what? You're out. You're going to go to hell. You're going to go to hell. I'm telling you, you're going to hell. And I've heard people say, these guys, they're in Jahannam already. And I say, it seems like you there. You, you were there to see who was there and who's not. I'm sure you've heard that one. When the old man comes out of the nightclub saying, you know, I saw your son there. But uncle, what were you doing there? And he thinks and thinks. He says, no, I went to check if your son was there. And may Allah forgive us. So this is the thing. You're telling everyone who's in Jahannam, what were you doing there? Checking who was there. A'udhu Billah. It's not up to you and I. I promise you if Jannah and Jahannam was in the hands of people, none of us would ever go into Jannah. But it's in the hands of someone who calls himself Rahmanun, Rahimun, Raufun, Wadudun, Wahhabun, Razzaqun. The one who's the most loving, the most beneficent, the most forgiving, the most merciful. 
the one who loves those who return to him. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّ التَّوَّابِينَ وَيُحِبُّ الْمُتَطَهِّرِينَ Allah loves those who constantly repent to Him and those who are clean, pure in every sense of the word. Allah loves them. If you say Allah loves those who repent and the word tawab refers to the one who keeps on forgiving and it also refers to the one who keeps on seeking forgiveness. So in the case of humankind, it's one who keeps seeking forgiveness for whatever they've done wrong. And in the case of Allah, it's the one who keeps accepting that repentance and clearing your name. If Allah says, I, I love those who keep repenting, why would I repent? Why would you repent? When you've done something wrong? Subhanallah. That means Allah knows as a human being, you're probably going to falter here and there. None of us are perfect. So Allah says, don't worry. Every time anything happens, immediately turn to me. Immediately repent to me. Immediately get yourself, rid yourself of this sin and the bad aftermath of that sin. Come, come onto the straight path. Come back and I will accept it again and again and again. For as long as you keep asking me and you try your best. I always say, subhanallah, we... Do not sin out of defiance of Allah. I'm not defying Allah. It's my weakness as a human that has made me sin. So therefore, when I seek the forgiveness of Allah and I return to Allah, I'm actually getting back to where I was, knowing that I faltered, but I still love Allah. I love Allah and I pray Allah loves me. If you want the love of Allah, keep turning to Him. So getting back to what I was saying, the owner of mercy, the owner of forgiveness, the owner of compassion, and much more, the one who has called himself Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, right at the beginning of the Quran. And every time you start doing something important, you are supposed to say Bismillah. Bismillah meaning in the name of Allah. If you were to look at the surahs of the Quran, they start off with Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. In the name of Allah, the what? The what? The most merciful. The what? The most merciful. I, you know, anyone who studies just that one sentence, in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most beneficent. And the one who is entirely merciful. So Ar-Rahman is a mercy that Allah has. It's a quality of mercy that Allah has that encompasses all His creatures. And Ar-Rahim is a quality that Allah has of mercy that encompasses those who truly believe. So you have a special mercy, special mercy of Allah. And you are telling me there are people who call themselves religious, who are killing in the name of the most beneficent, the most merciful. They are merciless in the name of the most merciful. Does it fit? It doesn't fit. So they are wrong. It does not require a rocket scientist to know that that is sacrilegious. It has nothing to do with religion. It's against religion. Religion brings about calmness, goodness, and a true concern for others. When the Prophet ﷺ had the leaders of Mecca, initially when they wanted to talk to him, he rushed towards them to answer their questions, hoping that they would actually, you know, come towards this message of Islam so much so that some of them actually said, you know what, we've heard the Quran. There is a narration of how there were three of them. It's reported Abu Sufyan, Abu Jahl and Al-Akhnas ibn Shuraik. At night when the Prophet, peace be upon him, was reading the Quran, you know, you've heard the recitation of the reciter, the young boy who recited, may Allah bless him and his parents and all of us, Amin. The beauty of the Quran, how melodious. If you were following with the meanings on this screen, amazing. If you hear the Quran, it is unique. It is something that definitely is from the Almighty. It has a sweetness. And people read the Quran and recite it in different melodies. It calms the tone, I mean, it calms the heart through the tone and the intonation and so on. These are the beautiful words of the Quran. 
So these people tiptoeing quietly at night, separately, and they're listening to Muhammad ﷺ read the Qur'an. They were impressed. They turned back and they bumped into each other as they were going. And when they bumped into each other, the one says, what are you doing? So what are you doing here? The one says, what are you guys doing here? Well, uh, you know, to be very honest, I was just listening to these words the man was reading. He said, yeah, well, I was too. But we're the leaders of Quraysh. How dare we listen to this? Okay, let's promise we're not going to come back tomorrow. Okay, promise. All three of us not coming back. The next day they were there again. All of them. Oh, but didn't we just promise yesterday that we're not going to come? But that's the Quran. What does it bring about? Wallahi, the Quran brings about a calmness. I want you to go to YouTube when you have a chance and look at search for Quranic recitation, the effect of Quranic recitation on non-Muslims. People did a little survey where they took headphones and they said, can you just listen to this? You know, we're doing a, a survey and they listen to it and they don't know what it is. And then they take it back. They say, how did you feel? 90% or more of them expressed their feelings of contentment, calmness, serenity, something amazing, unique. Some of them stuff began to cry just by listening to the Quran. Amazing, amazing. That is how powerful the mercy of Allah is. That is how powerful the mercy of Allah is. That as soon as you connect to the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're automatically moved by these words. And the third day, these three... They happened to bump into each other once again and then they had to swear oaths and they had to do whatever they had to in order not to get back to that because it's an insult. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about them. And Allah says, it used to hurt the Prophet peace be upon him. When he saw what they said about him, they called him a magician, they called him a madman, they called him names, just like we are called today. I was surprised today I learned that someone called me, classified me as a hate preacher. And I said, in actual fact, we are love preachers. But when there is a person who has so much of hatred that they cannot see your love, what should you do? You react with more and more love. Until a day comes when they'll have to shake their heads and say, no, we were wrong. But if you react to someone who's accused you of something you are not, vindicating them, because you were harsh and hard and you got angry. What did you do? You've actually fallen straight into their trap. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So in the same way the Prophet peace be upon him was accused. We would be accused. A lot of us just because we dress in what we would like to term modesty. People say these people are extreme. What's, what's they so extreme? I didn't impose it on you and I greet you so well, I help you, I reach out to you, I would and I try. And guess what, if you were drowning, I would save you because by the way, I'm a very good swimmer. Yeah. And if something had to happen to you, I would maybe risk my life to ensure that you live. And this applies, I'm talking about non-Muslims, people I disagree with completely on faith. Why would I do that? Because of the verse I read yesterday. And I repeat it again today. Whoever saves a soul is equivalent to the one who has saved all people. Allah didn't say whoever saves a Muslim. Allah didn't say whoever saves a person who thinks exactly like him or her. No. Allah says a soul. This is faith. This is religion. The maker, the giver of life, the most merciful is telling you this. So the Prophet ﷺ was told, We know that it hurts you what they are saying. It hurts you what they are saying. We know Allah is telling Muhammad that it pains you what they are saying, the accusations, the statements. But we want you to know they don't belie you. They actually know you're a truthful person. But because of their wrongdoing and because of their oppression, they are just denying the truth. When someone knows 2 plus 2 equals 4 and they keep saying 22 and they begin to consider those who are saying 2 plus 2 is 4 as 
wrong, as extreme as everything else, then you know that they're just denying the facts. They know it. They know it for a fact, but they're denying it for their own agenda or for whatever other purpose or just out of spite. Should it irk you? It might hurt you. You might be pained for a while, but here's comfort and solace from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling you, don't worry. Don't worry. You keep doing what you have to do. Don't lose focus. Why should I lose my good character? Because someone else has bad behavior. But that's what we do. If I'm really good in character, when is it tested? It's tested when someone is bad to me. That is when your character is tested. They say you want to know a man, make him angry. Uh, please don't go home and try this, right? But you want to know a man, make him angry. If he laughs at it, smiles, if he's calm, he's a really, really genuine person. You know, you break a glass and you see what the man says, or the woman. You break it again, see what they, but please don't break it a third time. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. You might get a little more stern statement because initially, and I'm sure a lot of us, if it was our child who actually urinated on us, what would we do? Slap the child. No, not at all. It's my child. Oh, my baby. You finished? Are you okay? Everything done? Subhanallah. It reminds me of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. A man walked into the masjid and he peed in one corner perhaps, right? According to one narration. And you know what? The Prophet ﷺ, imagine if someone had to do something of that nature, even in your home, in your house, not the house of Allah, your house, how would you react? Person walks into the house, feels a bit comfy in the lounge, goes into one corner and starts his business. <laughs> no way. It's impossible to think about it. But here's a man, Arabi. He walked in and that's exactly what he did in the house of Allah. And the Sahaba got up and wanted to shout him, scream, yell at him, meaning, you know, get, stop him. And the Prophet says, La tazmuru. You know what, leave him, don't even stop him. Not yet, don't let him. And, and I tell you what, I'm going to say it because it's very, very common logic. If it was our child, you can't tell them, stop. Because when you, while you're urinating, you're not going to be able to pull back and stop it and block it and cut it. It will make you sick, which is even worse. So from the mercy of Allah that he gave to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he actually said, let him finish his thing. And then he told them, go and get some water. When they all got busy to get, getting the water, he told the man, you know what? This is the house of Allah. It's not fit for this type of thing. It's for the Qur'an, it's for salah, it's for recitation, it's for dhikr of Allah, the remembrance of Allah. It's for good things, it's not for this. And the man, you know, he was probably fearing because of all the people trying to shout at him. And he looks at the messenger, the one who was sent as rahma lil alameen, the one who was sent as mercy, the one who is described as very merciful. Subhanallah. You know what he says? He says, Allahumma rahamni. Oh Allah, have mercy on me. Warham Muhammadan. And have mercy on this man, Muhammad. And don't have mercy on anyone else. Don't have mercy on anyone else. Now there's a new problem. Because the mercy of Allah is grand, it's great. It's not just for you and I. Like I told you, if the mercy and the Jannah and whatever else was in our hands, we'd probably throw everybody in the wrong direction, including people in our own families. May Allah grant us goodness. But it's in the hands of Allah. So now he says to the man, you know what? You're trying to make narrow something that cannot become narrow. It's too broad. What's that? The mercy of Allah. So he understood that. So he, three or four different points that the man learned all at once. So this is what faith is all about. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you don't lose, and we are taught this, you don't lose your goodness based on someone else's bad. When Allah says, if someone does bad to you, you have the right to defend yourself and you also have the right to recompense them in a similar way. If a person slaps you in reality, you have the right to slap them back. You have the right. But Allah says, immediately after mentioning that right, He says, Whoever is going to bear patience, forbearance, and whoever is going to forgive, then that's the best of affairs. The best thing you could have done. Forgive. 
To forgive my brothers and sisters is something that we lack. We actually lack. We want to hold grudges, not realizing that it's a burden on you and your shoulders. Where are you going to get to by holding things? Forgive your parents, forgive your brothers and sisters, your folks, your children, etc., etc. Forgive them and see how you, you feel. And the reason I make mention of this is, on the globe today, we're facing struggles within our own homes. I mentioned a little bit earlier, if your child came to you and said, I want to marry someone, and you told them, how did you get to know this person? And they told you through the internet, what would your reaction be? Would you fulfill your duty as a parent to try, try and find out if the guy is actually a good guy? Or are you just going to say, no way over my dead body? And when the child says, okay, over your dead body, oh Allah, take my father away. I take my father, at least over his dead body, I'll get married to this guy. People are praying for the death of their parents. Yesterday, I read a news piece of someone in the country, without mentioning names. They say, they're killing off their parents because they're living too long, interfering in the lives of the people. Let's not be parents who are such that we are a burden upon our own children. I'm not saying let them do everything and anything. No, parents are parents. We respect them. We fulfill their rights. But sometimes we're ridiculous as parents. And this is what's creating a problem. Why am I stressing on this fact? Because I believe extremism, the family has a role to play in the swaying of a child's mind. If you are closely connected to your children and you are interested in what they are watching and you are interested in a nice way, not to block this and block that, but to guide them, to be there for them. The problem with us is we are not there for our children. We live in the same dormitory, which we call a home and a house. But in actual fact, it's just a lovely plush building with every facility, but there's no meaning in it. There's no relationship within the home. But if you have a good relationship in your house, you'll be able to nurture your children and trust me, I witnessed this in Oman. Let me tell you something. You see young children, they grow up, they greet you the same way the father greeted you. They'll pour the coffee for you and they'll smile at you and they'll do so much more for you and they'll be hospitable for you and they'll come and greet you in exactly the same way the parents are doing it. That's a good sign. I hope we could actually spread that across the globe. Subhanallah. Because children are supposed to learn from us. The problem with us, we don't have time for the kids. So extremism creeps in. They tend to develop ideologies based on what? The same internet that we're talking about. They'll go to the biggest sheikh on earth who's a fraud. You know who he is? Do you know his name? Sheikh Google. They know him, see? Sheikh Google. They just Sheikh Google. And Sheikh Google, he has some truths and he also has some faults. You have to be careful. A guided, a guided research is something you need. But you can't just allow people to swim with the sharks. Your children? No. So teach them, look, these waters are dangerous. They are sharks. You can come swim here. This is okay. But if you're not going to be plugged in with your own children, what do you expect? So on the globe, we're facing hate in the name of the most merciful. The most merciful. Allah loves, Allah loves, Allah loves, and Allah loves more and more. But with us, we hate and we hate and we hate more and more based on differences. I differ with you in a small matter within my home and I don't like you. But I need to know my territory. Okay, I'm not too sure of how mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationships are here in this country. It seems like perhaps they're blossoming, mashallah. But I can talk about elsewhere. Why is there always a problem? Or in most cases, a problem? Can I tell you? Because the lines are not drawn, the territory is not known, and people actually overlap. No one knows the authority and whose it is. Does she have authority over me? And what is the authority? Because we don't talk about it, we don't discuss it, we have big issues. Do you know, the issues of marriage on the globe today are probably one of the greatest issues we're facing after the issue of extremism and terrorism. And I'd like to think that it's a different type of extremism. People marry, the wedding was grand, but the marriage didn't work. In some countries, they take a bank loan in order to show that we're living up to the Joneses. So 20,000, 50,000 you've taken from the bank. Before the loan is repaid, the marriage is over. And I'm still paying for it. A'udhu Billah. 
That's why I keep it simple. Keep it going. Let the wedding be simple, but let the marriage be grand. Big difference between a wedding and a marriage. The problem with us, subhanallah, we are getting married, we don't even know what for. We don't even look at the characteristics, the qualities, what the Prophet ﷺ taught us from Allah. You're getting married, you need to look at X, Y, and Z. We don't look at X, Y, and Z. What are we looking at? Something that's not even in the alphabet. May Allah grant us ease. So the home and what happens in it, the relationships, they need to be based on mutual respect. Speak with kind words. Don't impose what you think on everyone in your own home. Discuss matters, convince people. The same applies outside. And I have a few minutes remaining. I'd like to actually spend them talking about reverse hate that we're facing as Muslims. Like I said, on one hand, we have people who've hijacked the name of the religion. And they're doing actions that we're being blamed for. I am being blamed for the actions of people who are not even following the faith I follow. But because they, they claim they are, I am being blamed, you are being blamed. We are looked at with the eye of skepticism wherever we go. I mean, you travel, when I travel, I'm used to it, you know. You go to a place and subhanAllah, they just look at you. They look at you again and then they say, Sorry sir, you'll have to come this way. Well, I had to. My name is Mr. Random, by the way. You know Mr. Random means? It's just a random check. Yeah, my, I'm Mr. Random. It reminds me of a guy... And this is a true story, a guy, a friend of mine. I told him, oh, so how did you end up getting married? He says, you know what? I was a shopkeeper at my father's business and this girl walked in and she came in a few times and I was so impressed by her, but I didn't know how to start. So, you know, being the little guy he was, he says to her, well, you know, what's your name and who are you and what are you, are you getting married? She says, no, I'm just waiting for Mr. Wright. So... Then she says, and what's your name, by the way? He says, my name is Abbas Wright. <laughs> and so he became the Mr. Wright after a while they married. And I, one, I, I hope Abbas hears this at a time. He's going to laugh, mashallah. Because it's true. He told her, I'm Abbas Wright, mashallah. So she said, oh, wow, I finally found Mr. Wright. May Allah grant us goodness. <laughs> my brothers and sisters, so people have hijacked the name of the religion, yet they're not following it. And on the other hand, there are people who are Islamophobes. They look at you and immediately they make their decision, their judgment. You are paying for the sins of others. So what should we do? What should we do? I've already spoken a lot and I've said we need to continue and have hope in the mercy of Allah. Don't be irritated and agitated. When I am told to step aside and search a little bit more, I make it an opportunity of da'wah and reaching out. And I make sure that I smile at them and I never get angry. I remember I was once, you know, seated in a place for questioning for a long time and I was so calm and cool and they said, but you know, this is amazing. This is strange. People get upset and they try to say, do you know who I am? Well, if you say, do you know who I am? It means you don't know who you are yourself. Subhanallah. There's no need to say that. Prove it with your actions. Are you really a believer? Well, you'll have to endure. Those who are better than you have had to endure. We spoke about the prophets yesterday. They endured a lot. Muhammad sallallahu the prophet Jesus, may peace be upon him. Moses, may peace be upon him. All these prophets, how much did they endure? Did they give up? No, they didn't. Look at the prophet, peace be upon him, in Ta'if. What had happened was something very sad. They didn't obey, they didn't listen, and on top of that, they caused harm. But he kept praying for them. He kept trying for them. You know, there is a narration that says the angels of the mountains had actually said, if you instruct us, we can crush these people. Did you hear that? If you instruct us, we can crush them. They were harming him in person. And today, people are killing in the name of the same man who said, I was sent as a mercy, not as a destroyer. If you haven't guided them, O oh Allah, at least give their offspring guidance. Wow! He could have said, crush them, break them, destroy them. 
With us, a small thing happens, road rage, you, you're on the road, and someone, you know, a, a, a person who's probably a new driver's license or a little bit frightened because of a new car or whatever, and they've come in or out of the lane, and you hoot at them, and you make such a scene out of it, and you want to hit them, and you come out of the, the car, and what's wrong with you, and you start swearing, for what? Imagine if the angels had to say, we can crush them between two cars, and crush them between 20 cars, please. That's what we would have said. Are you a true Muslim? Are you really a believer? Are you really a calm person? If you're not, work on it because that's what Islam is supposed to bring you. There is something wrong with your prayer because if you pray correctly five times a day, when you go into prostration, you will be a calm person. All your worries are out. Everything is gone. I'm calm. I'm relaxed. I get up, I will solve my matters and my problems, but in a respectful way. I will differ and disagree because that's normal, but in a respectful way. I will never agree with everyone because Allah's kept me unique. My brain, my mind, my understanding, what convinces me may be very different from what convinces you. That doesn't mean I need to hate and fight and kill. No. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all goodness and may He open our doors. So if you see people who have called you names, who have accused you falsely, who have judged you based on your religion without knowing what it is, prove to them that they are wrong. By continuing in the goodness, by maintaining a very high level of character and conduct. And I end by saying, when the Prophet ﷺ arrived, with a massive army back to Makkah, finally, in what was known as Fath Makkah, the victory of Makkah. He could have crushed them once again, these people. He could have crushed them completely with the army and told them, you know what, just wipe them out. Look at what they've done. They've killed, they've perpetrated, they've stolen, they've driven us out of their homes, out of our homes. So he asks them a question, and I love this question because it proves those extremists and terrorists wrong. At a time when the Prophet, peace be upon him, had all the power to do whatever he wanted to do with these people, he asks them a question, Ya Ma'ashara Quraysh, Mada tadunnuna anni fa'ilum bikum? What do you think I'm going to do to you today? They know what they've done. They know the sins they've perpetrated. They know the crimes they've perpetrated, what they've engaged in. They were hoping goodness. He told them, Idhabu You go today, you're all free, no retribution. I will tell you what the Prophet Joseph, may peace be upon him, told his brothers, Yusuf alayhi salam, La No retribution against you today. I can imagine the scene, these people who are wondering what's going to happen. You know, people look at Muslims and think these guys are the most dangerous people on earth. And you find a calm person who's so cool. He helps you and he, you know, assists you in something that no one else helped you in. And he happens to be a Muslim. It will change your perception. So we can do this. We should do this. Look after Fatha Makkah. Take a look at what happened. People entered Islam in droves. Today go to Ta'if, they are Muslimin. What happened? It's the barakah of the dua of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. He prayed for them. It happened not too late, not too far after. But with us, on one hand, it's destruction from people with our own skin. And on the other hand, it's hate from people who are just judging us because of the other side. So we're sandwiched in the center. And that's life. Don't lose your faith because others are thinking you're bad. So don't give up your identity because people need that identity. And this is another important factor. What is it? If I were to give up my identity because I'm worried about how the ignorant Islamophobes are going to treat me, then I have not served my faith. Sometimes people give up their dress code because they're worried. They give up their Islam. They give up their names. You know, you have a name, Abdul Khaliq, for example. And... Uh, I actually asked a guy, what's your name? He says, Clark. Clark. I said, Clark? He said, yeah, Clark. I said, is that like a clock in an American accent or is it like Clark as in, you know, a place? There's a place in the Philippines called Clark. So he says, no, not Clark as in American. Because in, in American accent, if you say Clark, please look at the clock. It means look at the clock. Okay? It's, it's a way of talking. 
He says, no, actually I have a proper name, it's Abdul Khaliq. What? You have such a beautiful... He says, no, but if I say Abdul Khaliq, the people will, will actually ask, you know, they, they're going to look at me with whatever. I said, no, my brother, you're making a mistake. You say, I'm Abdul Khaliq, and you still serve them, and you still have... So that they know that the Abdul Khaliqs are lovely people, but if you keep on hiding it, they're going to think the Abdul Khaliqs are bad, and the Clarks are the good guys. So I need to keep on being who I am, my identity, I don't want to change it, my name. So what if they believe I'm a hate preacher? I'm not. And I know I'm not. And I know they're making a mistake. But at the same time, that must not make me hate on them. It must make me more conscious of my duty to keep on spreading this love. And that's when we will actually be able to serve the purpose we are here for. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. May Allah grant us goodness. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that I've clocked more than an hour. To me, it feels like 20 minutes. Don't you agree, guys? It's a sign of the love we have, the blessings of Allah, the goodness, the lovely weather, the good intentions, the beautiful ambience. May Allah forgive us. May Allah grant us goodness. May He open our doors. May all those who are struggling and suffering in any way across the globe, may the Almighty grant you ease and open your doors. Ameen. Aqulu qawli hadha wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Muhammad.